Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. If you have your Bibles tonight, your smartphone, your iPad, wherever you're at, I'd like you to grab your Bibles tonight. I'd like you to go to the, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 13. <clears throat> you know, Matthew is the one who wrote in Matthew 12, 21 that Jesus is the hope of the nations. He says, the nations will place their trust in you, Lord. The nations will put their hope in you. Jesus is the hope of the nations. He's the hope of America. Amen. He's the hope of this region. He's the hope of Sarasota. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a verse of scripture as you're turning out of Psalm 67. This is found out of the Passion Translation, Psalm 67. I want to speak to you for the next few moments about what time is it in the world? What time is it in the world? Psalm 67, the Passion Translation, just a few verses here, beginning in verse 4. It says, Then how glad the nations will be when you are their king. <laughs> Isn't that mighty? How glad the nations will be when you are their king. They will sing. They will shout. For you give them true justice to the people. And my, how we need justice in this hour. Yes, you, Lord, you're the shepherd of the nations. Say that tonight wherever you're at. You, oh, Lord, you're the shepherd of the nations. Say it. You, oh, Lord, you're the shepherd of the nations. And no wonder the people praise you. Let all the people praise you more. The harvest of the earth is here. Say that tonight. The harvest of the earth is here. The harvest of the earth is here. Jesus is the shepherd of the nations and the harvest of the earth is here. I want to speak to you for the next several moments about what time is it in the world? What time is it in the world? I'm reading out of Matthew chapter 13 tonight. These are the words of Jesus, and I'm going to begin in verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came. Notice there's a real enemy. His enemy came, and he sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. That's just like the enemy, isn't it? Sowed his seeds and then went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the terrors also appeared. And so the servants of the owner, they, they came and they said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then do we have tares? How's the field have tares in it? He said to, him, to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? And he said, but no, lest while you gather the tares, you will also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. Let them grow together 
until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into the barn. I'm jumping over to verse 36 now. And then Jesus, when he sent away the multitude, he went into a house and the disciples came to him saying, explain this parable of the tares in the field. And so he answered unto them and he said, he who sows the good seed, he is the son of man. The field is the world. Say that tonight, those five words. The field is the world. The field is the world. And the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them, he is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. Do not miss that tonight. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels, and therefore, as tares are gathered to be burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into a furnace of fire. Where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. These are not Brian's words. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. And then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like it is like treasure hidden in a field. What is the field? We read those verses and Those words in verse 38, the field is the what? The field is the world. The field is the world. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he hid. And over joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys the field. Are you hearing this tonight? He goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. What is the field? It's the world. Remember Jesus said, of himself, he says, I cannot say anything of, of myself. I only say what I hear my father saying. I only do what I see my father doing. Over and over within the parables, Jesus was revealing this very mystery. This is what my father is doing. And when the father looked into the field and he saw his treasures, his beloved ones, the sons and the daughters of the kingdom, over and over again he was saying, the father is now giving all that he has to buy the field. All that the father has to buy the very world. And what is all that the father had to give? The very consummation that all the father had to give is revealed in the revelation of the son of God. That God so loved the field, God so loved the world, that He would give His only begotten Son to to purchase the very lives, the very treasures of the ones that He adores the most. It's you and I. Again, the kingdom of heaven is, is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. See, I don't know if you're getting this yet. Remember, Jesus said, I can only say what my Father is saying and do what my Father is doing. When you see the Father 
who is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When you see the father looking into the field, when you see the father looking into the world, what did the father do? He went and he gave all that he had to buy the world, to purchase the field, and he bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that's cast into the sea, and it gathers some of every kind, which when it is full, it is drawn unto the shore and sat down and gathered good into the vessels, but thrown the bat away. Listen to these next words. Verse 49, are you with me tonight? Victory, are you with me? I can't hear you shouting in your homes tonight. Are you with me? I know you're with me. (laughs) I hear you down here. And so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth. Notice this. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and separate the wicked from among the just. And they will cast them into a furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said, Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. These next few moments, we're going to navigate our way through the Scriptures tonight by the winds of the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Here's our question. What time is it in the world? What time is it? What is really going on in the world right now? What time is it in the world? And as we set the tone, I want to decree with boldness tonight that the greatest era of church history is not behind us. The greatest era of church history is just before us in the next moments and years ahead of us on planet Earth. Hallelujah. Don't you be duped tonight. Whoever you are listening tonight, do not be duped by virtual reality. Do not be duped by what you see with your natural eye. The greatest hour for the church is this hour. And the exploits that God's going to release upon the sons and daughters of God are going to release glory. Come on! (laughs) Yes, Lord. You watch the news in this hour. You watch the news and it shows us videos. It shows us footage. It shows us photos of empty cities across America. Empty cities across America. I was driving home last night with my wife, our daughter, and our son who has just returned from New Zealand. Thank you, Lord. And we were driving around between 1 and 2 a.m. back to Sarasota Last night with no cars, hardly any cars in in Orlando. It's the most eerie feeling. But we look and we see these photographs and these videos upon the news. And the cities are empty. It feels like we are somewhere stuck in the middle of a very bizarre sci-fi film. Yet I want to tell you tonight, folks, we are not in a very bizarre sci-fi film. What time is it in the world. That's my question tonight. We are right now in an epic unfolding. We're in an epic unfolding. I I want you to see it as even as Daniel would take the scroll from the Lord and, and unroll that prophetic word and knowledge that the angels came 
to give him as as the scrolls were broken in the book of Revelation and as John beheld and watched. I want you to see the unfurling or the unfolding of the scrolls of the Lord tonight because right now we're in an epic unfolding of the very last hours of the last days. Jesus called this the end of the age. He called it the end of the age when he began to speak about signs of his return or signs of his coming. And right now we are racing towards that time. Time is advancing. There is such a speedily momentum. We are racing to the crescendo and the coming of an end of an age. It's no surprise to us that are sons and daughters of God, that the Word of God is before us and we've received understanding from the Holy Spirit. This is not taking us completely by surprise. All that the global alliances that we see that are converging in the nations, all the geopolitical and financial governance that are coming into conversion, the the coming economic reset that is about to come on on the scene now, the religious convergences around the world that we're seeing right now, all of these things that are happening before our eyes, what is happening? I want to tell you tonight, all these things are making way for a very short-lived appearing in time that is called in the scriptures the tribulation. But it's also coming to an appearing of someone coming on the global stage. These are not Brian's words. These are the words of the Holy Scriptures. Men that were moved upon by the Holy Spirit under inspiration of the Holy Spirit and from Jesus himself that would write about the days and the hours that we are living in. This dragon himself is about to make his appearing. The Word of God calls him the man of lawlessness. They call him the beast. The scriptures call him the beast, the man of sin, a man possessed by Satan himself. The Bible calls him Antichrist. The Bible calls him Antichrist. Mm. He will come to deceive and to, to destroy the nations of the earth. But specifically, he has an end game in mind. Are you going to stay with me tonight? Are you with me? He's got an end game in mind, and that end game is to destroy Israel and specifically to destroy Jerusalem. And why is that? Let's answer that question tonight in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 17. We have to answer this because he is so lusted and deceived in his heart and plotted this work. Why all of this work to take Jerusalem? Because in Jeremiah 3, 17, it says, Jerusalem shall be the very throne of the Lord, and all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord, and no longer will they follow the stubbornness of the evil that is in their heart. There is coming a day when, when King Jesus returns. He will make his very throne in the city of Jerusalem. Not the city of Sarasota, not the city of Chicago, Sacramento, Los Angeles, New York, the city of Jerusalem, the city of our God, Jesus will make his place of his throne. Wow. I want you to hear this tonight. What is awaiting the enemy? What is awaiting Satan 
is eternal judgment for this beast. Eternal judgment from the King of glory, from Jesus the risen Christ. He has a name. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Abraham. He is the Son of David. Hallelujah. He is the one who has fire in his eyes and a sword that will come out of his mouth, striking down the dragon. I want you to hear this tonight and write it down. The devil's going to pay. Oh, God has been so everlasting patient, but the devil is going to pay. You heard that tonight. The devil is going to pay. In Revelation chapter 20 in verse 10, it has these amazing words. It says, the devil who deceived them, he was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hallelujah! Day and night, there is an eternal judgment for the tormentor and deceiver of the nations, the one who has spawned such wickedness to the nations of the earth. His day is coming and he's going to pay. God has been long-suffering God has been forbearing. Think how forbearing and long-suffering and patient God has been over our lives individually. But think how He is He has watched as a good Father over the nations of the earth. He wrote this and He finished it. He, he wrote it. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. And then He wrote His story and He finished it. And then He goes back to the beginning to walk everything through its story. What He, cal- what he calibrated and set in motion to finish it in the end. He's going to finish what He started. God's going to finish what he started. Now, I, listen, we're, we're talking micro tonight and macro. God's going to finish what he started in us, in our lives. But you better hear this tonight, baby. God is going to finish what he started in the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The nations belong to the Lord. Every tribe, tongue, voice, they belong to the Savior of the nations. Come on, give God praise. I hope you're shouting in your house tonight. Don't you let the deceiver mess with you in this hour. Don't you let the devil deceive and mess with you and your family. You have all authority over him in Christ. I'll tell you, we got to be saying this in this hour. We have all authority over him in Christ. Over him and all of his devilish minions, by the blood, by the name of Jesus, we have all authority to drive him back, to drive him out, to drive him out of our cities. The Lord is the Lord of transformation. We need to be driving the enemy out of our cities. Woo! Glory to God. We are racing towards an epic crescendo of God's story. God's story. I want you to take your Bibles and just jump over. We've been in Matthew 13 tonight. I want you to go to Revelation 13 for the next few moments. These are powerful scriptures. Stay with me tonight. Revelation chapter 13. This is the hour where the wise are gathering fresh oil into their lamps. This is the hour 
where the Holy Spirit is pouring fresh oil into lampstands to burn in this midnight hour. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe with all my heart, we are not in just the, what we have called the last days, what Scripture has revealed to us the last days. I believe we're in the very last hours the very last hours of the last days before our bridegroom comes for his beloved, cherished bride. I'm in Revelation 13. Are you there? I know these six are there. Are you there tonight? <laughs> Revelation 13. <laughs> Uh, this, this reminds me when we started pioneering a church so many years ago. We would pioneer a church. The first church we pioneered, we pioneered in our living room. Honey, of course, you remember that. The second church we pioneered, we pioneered right out of our living room. I mean, I remember when church felt like this when we had just a few people. And now you're friends and you're with us online. And we're blessed that you're with us tonight. We're in Revelation 13. And the Apostle John writes these words, And I stood on the sand of the sea. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. And now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his sheep was like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. And I saw on one of his heads as, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled, and they followed the beast. And so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is, who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Do your math right now. How long is 42 months? That's three and a half years. And then he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Notice that. Don't miss those words. And also to blaspheme even those who dwell in heaven. He's not just dealing with the earth realm. He's blaspheming those that are in the heavenly dimension, in the heavenly realm that have gone before us. And it was granted unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth Worship him whose names have not been written in the Lamb's in the in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Wow. If anyone hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And then I saw another beast coming. Are we good back there? We good? I saw another beast coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. Wow. Everybody see that? What a contradiction. He looked like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all authority 
of the first beast in his presence and caused the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performed great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwells on the earth by the signs which were granted to him in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lives. Verse 15, are you there? And it was granted to him power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many that would not worship the the image of the beast to be killed. Watch these next words. He caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, slave and free, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. And let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. The number is six, six, six. Wow. The arising of the Antichrist, the arising of the false prophet. There's this global alliance that is taking place, this geopolitical alliance that, is, that will suddenly emerge that the Antichrist will take full control of. It says the nations will fall under his persuasion. The nations will fall, fall under his charisma, under his demonic-inspired wisdom. He will be able to champion the nations under him. And they, and they will marvel and say, who could even make war with this man? The nations will marvel at him. But why all of this hard work? That's a good question. Why why all of this hard work? Why, Why all of this masquerading and plotting of deception of the devil and the beast? Why why all of this controlling of the nations? Can I ask the question tonight? Why all the mass manipulation from the enemy? Why all the domination? Why, Why all go to the trouble with a mark and with a number? Why go to all the trouble to try to destroy God's most prized possessions, which are the sons and daughters of God? Tell me tonight, tell me tonight, why has the devil plotted throughout every generation, throughout every generation from a garden between a husband and a wife? to this very time in 2020. Why has the enemy been plotting his end game like this? Because, here's our answer tonight, he demands to be worshipped as God himself. He demands to be worshipped as God himself. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 14 tonight. This has been his fascination all along. The mighty prophet from Israel heralded these words for us so many thousands of ages ago when he wrote about Satan himself. And he said of Satan as he penned these words, the fascination of Satan or the beast or the dragon was this. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. 
He says, I will be worshipped. I deserve to be worshipped. This is my fascination. This is my grandeur. This is my time. Look at me. All of this plotting. All of this scheming. We are racing to the end of an age, ladies and gentlemen. We are racing to the harvest of nations. And he's about to step on the scene for a very short season. And God will let him have his day. But I want to tell you right now, the devil's going to pay. The devil is going to pay. And God is going to have his day at the revealing of the Son of God. Woo! Come on, shout the victory. Shout the victory. He has a burning hatred towards God. He hates the sons of the kingdom. He hates the sons of God's favored love, His choice sons and daughters. He hates them with a passion. He hates the Father Himself. I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul out of 2 Thessalonians. We're going somewhere tonight. We're talking Bible tonight, folks. These aren't the words of Brian. These are the words of the gospel. I'm telling you, I believe the word of the Lord. Can we, do we still believe the actual Bible in 2020? I mean, I believe it all. I believe even the book of maps in the back of it. I believe the leather cover all around it. <laughs> I believe it. I believe the word of the Lord. Here's the words of the apostle. Second Thessalonians, the apostle Paul writes, I'm beginning in verse 1. Are you there? You guys with me? Are you with me? All right. Oh, I'm in chapter 2. Thanks. <laughs> chapter 2 in verse 1. Now, brethren, and let's say sisters, brothers and sisters, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ... And our gathering to Him. My gosh. I, I want to just pause right now. I, I want to pause. I want you to look this way. If you're, if you're watching somewhere, I want you to recognize I, I'm speaking to just a few faces and I'm looking at an empty church. I'm believing that this is going to turn and change very, very soon from coast to coast, from the Carolinas to California. I, I believe the victory is very near. We're going to turn this completely. We're going to see the greatest outpouring the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost before the return of our King. But I want to tell you, it is such a strange thing to look out and see an empty church. It is such a strange thing. Some of my best friends throughout the country pastor great churches, small churches, large churches. I'm going to tell you, I almost said small and great, and that is, that is not right. You can have a very small church, and it be the grandiose and greatest church ever. Or you can have a large church, and it be great. But I want to tell you, it's a very strange thing. But I want to tell you something, folks. It's going to be a day like none other when Jesus Christ comes to this earth and receives his bride. And he captures us away. What this earth will be like. What these campuses will be like from coast to coast when Jesus returns. Concerning the, the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm in verse 1, and the gathering to him... We ask you not to soon be shaken in your, in your mind or troubled. And I want to speak that over you tonight. Do not be soon shaken in your mind, my dear friends. Do not be troubled, either by the Spirit or by the Word or by letter as from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. Who's that talking about? 
It's talking about the very beast, the very dragon himself. Until the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Watch what he does. This son of perdition, this man of sin, he opposes and he exalts himself. You all see those words? Highlight those words in your scripture tonight. You know, Jesus humbled himself. He he took on the form of a servant. He said, I haven't come to be served. I've come to serve. I've come to lay down my life as a ransom for many. Those are the words of our Lord Jesus. Notice this. It says, he opposes, he exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worship. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Jump down to verse 8 with me. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord, watch this, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Woo! The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, and all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not believe the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie and that they may be condemned who do not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. My God, these are sobering words, ladies and gentlemen. I want to say it again, folks. I believe we're in the last hours of the last days. What time is it in the world? What time is it in the world? I'm in Matthew 24 now with Jesus, the words of Jesus. He begins to talk about the signs that are coming. And interestingly enough, Jesus uses this phrase. I want you to write it down tonight, birth pains. Birth pains. Jesus introduces these words because the the disciples come to Jesus on the Mount of Olives and they're saying, will you show us these signs, Lord? What are we to look for for your coming, the coming of your kingdom? And in verse 4, Jesus says, Matthew 24, I'm in verse 4 right now. Do not let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. That's sad, isn't it? They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars. You will hear of threats or rumors of wars, but don't panic. These are Jesus' words. They're not Brian's words. Those are good words. Don't panic. Touch your neighbor and say, go ahead and touch them. Yep, don't, don't fist bump them. Don't, yes. Go ahead. Don't panic. Don't panic. That's a good word for America right now. Yes, these things must must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, and there will be earthquakes in many parts of the world. Watch this. But all of this is only the first birth pains with more to come. Y'all see those words? That's the first birth pains as we see these things. Wars and famines and pestilence and earthquakes. These are yet birth pains. We've been through many birth pains. World War I, World War II. We could go back through the ages of time. Birth pains. Birth pains. Now, 
I'm going to claim, now my wife is sitting on the front row tonight, but I, I'm going to claim, there's, there's other mothers here tonight. I'm going to claim I understand what a birth pain is, but I, I think there's, there's women that understand far greater than my revelation of what a birth pain is. But what I know about birth pains, I know that once they start, they start in a, in a small incremental frequency. Can you see this tonight? They, they start in a small incremental frequency. It's like they just kind of, do they kind of sneak up on you, Sandra? They just, they, yep, yep. You feel a culmination. It's a tightening, isn't it? That's the word. It's a tightening, isn't it, Brent? And it starts, it starts making you uncomfortable. The birth pain causes discomfort. There's a tightening. There, there's a swelling. And then... Before long, another birth pain comes. That discomfort, that that pain, that there's another shriek of pain saying it's coming. The baby's coming. It's interesting that Jesus said it's going to be like birth pains. And that these birth pains are actually going to be coming in more frequency and more intensity. In shorter, shorter time. Folks, I I want you to hear my heart tonight. We are in a birth pain right now. Only the Lord knows what the future looks like in the nations of the earth. But we are in a birth pain. And ladies and gentlemen, there are greater birth pains to come. And that is why our lives must be anchored in Christ alone. Our lives must be anchored in Christ alone. Our lives must be anchored in the revelation of the Word of God. This Word of God has to be our final authority in this hour. I want to say it again. The Word of God has to be our final authority in this hour. Build your house wise in this hour. And our lives must be built upon the blood of the Lamb of God the Passover lamb that was slain in the city of Jerusalem but was also risen from the dead in the city of Jerusalem. God's Passover lamb. Now right now, I'm about running to third base. I'm going to round third base. I'm going to run home and I'm going to slide head first. We're just about there. Now we're going a big distance tonight on purpose. I don't want to, I, I, I don't dare want this to come off condescending, but I want to be very real. We are living in a generation amongst many, even Christians, that barely read their Bibles. Barely read their Bibles. Have their heads in the sand on a lot of issues. Have a hard time even hearing these scriptures coming under the bearing of a birth pain, of recognizing that this hour is upon us. But why did Jesus give this to us? So that we would not be in fear. So that we would not be in fear. But that we would be in faith in this hour and we would ready ourselves as wise, as Jesus said in the the very next chapter, Matthew 25, He said that we would be like wise virgins, that we would receive and we would stock up that oil which represents the oil of the spirit that our lamp will be burning when the bridegroom comes when the father releases his 
his bridegroom, his son to receive his bride unto himself. Folks, we're racing to an epic crescendo of time. It's amazing. When people hear preaching like this, they keep pushing it off forever and ever and ever. They just keep pushing it off for another millennium, another millennium. And, and I'm telling you, folks, I believe I'm about to turn 47. I've been preaching the gospel over 25 years now. I'm about to turn 47 years of age. I'm going to tell you, the world has dramatically changed, drastically changed since I've been a little boy and grew up here in the, in the heartland of Illinois in, here in America. The world has drastically changed. Y'all recognize that? Y'all recognize how wild the world is right now? What do you think's happening? I'm telling you, we're racing to the epic crescendo of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear this tonight. I think it's interesting. I have many dear friends in the ministry, and many of them are mighty prophets of God. Modern-day prophets, and I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down, my friend. Put it in your tablet, type it in your phone, type it in your notes. I said that we've got to be anchored in this hour in the blood of God's Passover lamb. It is the blood of Jesus that will protect you completely. But the modern-day prophets in the earth right now, they are pointing to Passover 2020. Hear this right now. They are pointing to Passover 2020. Now, when is Passover 2020? Well, I'm I'm glad that you've asked me. I'm going to give it to you. You ready for the dates? Write it down. The dates begin Wednesday, April 8th, and it ends the evening of Thursday, April 16th. When is Passover 2020? It begins Wednesday, April 8th in the evening, and it ends in the evening on Thursday, April the 16th. What is amazing about what the modern-day prophets are prophesying to look to this Passover, and I'm telling you, folks, this is good news. Chuck Pierce recently released this word about the coming of this Passover and what is going to be released, that this will be the most epic time of crossover for the release of the body of Christ in history and the launching point for the greatest move of God on planet Earth. Now, why am I going to Passover? Remember, it was in Exodus. Stay with me. It was in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You remember the death angel was released after the ten plagues. This last plague came. And the death angel was released throughout all of Egypt, this plague. But he said, "When when I see the blood, no destructive plague will be able to touch you When I strike Egypt, I want to say to you very plainly, my friends, you have to apply the blood of God's Passover lamb to your life, to your family, over your children. You have to take the blood of Jesus, the holy, sinless, precious, priceless blood of Jesus, and declare it over your life. 
so that no plague or pestilence or evil can touch your life in this hour. So important. The power is in the blood. Say it. The power is in the blood. The life is in the blood. Salvation is in the blood. Forgiveness is in the blood. Cleansing is in the blood. Healing is in the blood. Deliverance is in the blood. Restoration is in the blood. Justification is in the blood. Purification is in the blood. Glorification is in the blood. Redemption is in the blood of Jesus. It's in the blood. You've got to declare it. And when you do, Satan cannot touch you. When you declare the blood of Jesus over your life, over your wife, over your husband, over your children, over your grandchildren, Satan cannot touch you. Come on, give the Lord praise tonight. Come on, give Him praise. It was Moses that wrote these words. I want to tell you right now, I'm not embarrassed to just stay in on Psalm 91. I may preach Psalm 91 until Jesus comes. It's the word of the Lord. But here's the word that Moses wrote, and it's verse 9 through 11. Moses wrote, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even my most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. No evil is going to touch you. Come on, you got to claim the promise. Chuck Pierce said that this Passover will be the greatest turning point in human history. I would encourage you to write it down. I'll tell you why, because I believe it. I believe God's going to give a sign to the nations of the earth when we are in the middle of a birth pain, Cody. When we are in the middle of a birth pain, God is going to give this Passover as a sign. He said it will become the greatest turning point in history for the next move of God. One more time. He said this Passover will become the greatest turning point for history for the next move of God. Wow. He said it will be a launching point for the greatest outpouring and move of the Holy Spirit to take us into the harvest of the earth. He said many other words. He said, if the church does not pray, China will gain economic advantage over us by 2026. He says, we have a shot right now to make America what what it is supposed to be. And in this hour, he said, this virus will shift after Passover. Did you hear that? This virus will shift after Passover. I've given you those dates. You know, the scripture says, here's a 2020 for you. Try this one on. Second Chronicles 2020. It says, believe, believe the word of the Lord and you shall be established. Are you with me tonight? I'm quoting this. Believe the word of the Lord and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Here's a, that's a 2020 for you. Here's the word of the prophets. Even now, there will be a shift after Passover. This is so encouraging. When I was listening to my friend Dutch Sheets, who was on the phone with 
with Chuck Pierce, and they did a podcast, and we made it available for so many of you. I'm so blessed that so many of you are getting it and taking the time to let the encouragement of these prophetic keys get into your heart right now. We've got to be strengthened in this hour. Amen? He said, Dutch said, these are powerful, powerful words. He said, I believe more than a recovery of our health, more than a recovery of our health, more than a recovery of our economy, there's going to be a recovery of the real identity to the nation of America once again. And I'm telling you, I want to herald this word. I believe the nations are going to rediscover their identity in this hour. Truly, whether they're going to be sheep nations or goat nations in this hour, in this last day. Are you still with me? We've got to apply the blood of Jesus. We've got to speak the blood of Jesus. So I want to release an encouragement in this hour. This is not a time for us to be lazy. This is not a time for us to be aloof or disconnected or sitting at home watching and binging movies and binging Netflix. This is an hour, an hour of prayer. It's an hour of prayer. It's an hour of pressing in and coming in to the very heart of God to capture fresh oil from the Lord for the midnight hour. Because, my friend, the midnight cry is going to come, and the bridegroom is going to call out, and the trumpet of God shall be sent forth. My God, that trumpet will blast, and the Lord himself, he will descend from heaven. The apostle Paul wrote, he said, he will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And all of those who are alive and remain, they shall be caught up with the Lord in the air. In the air. And so shall they ever be with the Lord. My God, church. This is no time to be aloof. This is no time to be putting your head in the sand. Folks, this is the time to seek a greater access or authorization from Father for authority in the kingdom. This is the time to receive greater authority, greater revelation, greater wisdom from God in this hour. It's like the Lord is giving us a pause. It's like He's turning down everything on the earth almost into slow motion. You look into the cities of our country, nothing's moving. It's like, it's like, it's like the turntable is just turning, turn, turn, turning. And the Lord is giving us this, us this reprieve and pause to come into the secret place so that the church can come out in power in this hour with greater anointing, with greater power, with greater revelation, with greater wisdom, with greater love, ready to win souls, ready to harvest the nations. What time is it in the world? What time is it? The Holy Spirit is speaking tonight. My wife is here and she can testify I know that I'm preaching with urgency tonight. 
And I am under a conviction of the Holy Spirit. I've been preaching now for over 25 years. And my wife knows I've preached 25 years with this level of urgency. This level of urgency. This is our time to press into the Lord. This is our time to press into His heart. What is the dream of God over our life? What is the dream of God over this region? What is the dream of God over this state of Florida? What is the dream of God over America? Think about the church that is going to move in power and demonstration and do exploits and enter into the greatest harvest of the souls of men. Peter, from now on, you're not going to catch fish. You're going to catch men. <laughs> you know, I have a feeling it's a sneaky suspicion. Peter had no idea what Jesus was talking about. But he said, it's okay. Just come with me and I'll coach you along the way. You'll be transformed and changed as you follow me. And I want to give that encouragement and that word over somebody tonight. Those of you that are listening and over us tonight, all we've got to do is keep following the Lord. We don't have to have everything figured out, Sandra. We don't have to have everything figured out, Henry, Mary, Sky, Pastor, Bren. We don't have to have it all figured out. All we've got to do is keep following the Lord. He's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, one day at a time. And let him train us, let him coach us, let him set our heart on fire and see how he will use us in these last days. Wherever you are tonight, I want you to lift your hands because I want to pray for fresh fire and fresh oil upon our lives and our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you, God, that we are alive in 2020. And you are sending us into this epic hour of divine confrontation against the forces of wickedness and evil. I thank you that you are empowering your church. You are equipping your church. You are equipping your church, Lord. You are empowering your sons and daughters. And you are leading us into victory and triumph, God, over all the works of the devil. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray power and exploits, demonstrations of your heart. I pray, God, that we come into a greater anointing, a greater revelation, Lord, a greater understanding, a greater prophetic vision. A capacity, to, a capacity to see this hour for what it really is, God. I pray for the spirit of awakening to be upon us now, God. The spirit of awakening, God. Stir your church, God. Awaken your church from comfort sleep, oh God. Let your fire burn in us, God. Awaken us for this finest hour for the harvest of our cities and nation in the name of Jesus. And I pray for the spirit of burning to be in every house. Spirit of burning, eternal burnings of God for the word of God to catch fire, for the word of God to catch fire in your soul, in your house as you're seeking Jesus. Revelation come. Spirit of revelation come. Spirit of wisdom. 
Spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, spirit of the fear of the Lord, spirit of the fear of the Lord, spirit of might, come. Spirit of the Lord, come. Spirit of revelation, come. In the name of Jesus, set us on fire, Lord. Set us ablaze, God. Set us in burning love for our bridegroom in Jesus' name. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfli.com.